Welcome to the Real Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Lambert. In an hour when deception and apostasy is rampant on earth, the need for proclaiming the real truth has never been more desperate. Jesus prophesied, An hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Proclaiming the real truth of the written and rhema prophetic word of God that he is revealing in this hour concerning the church Jesus is building is our goal. Affecting real change in the hearts and minds of believers in Christ in order to fulfill the purposes and plans of God is our purpose. This is Stephen Lambert. On this podcast, I want to talk about the topic of abuse of power by U.S. state governors, and that is having to do with during this COVID-19 national and global shutdown. I'm basing this podcast upon an article that I published on Spirit Life magazine in which I wrote about a video press release published on June the 2nd, 2020, hosted by Reverend Dr. Jonathan Hansen, who is the president and CEO of World Ministries International, and attorney Stephen Pigeon, who in my view presented a very cogent but alarming overview of the nascent abuse of power by state governors of the United States during this COVID-19 national shutdown. The case the two men make in this video presentation is that numerous U.S. state governors are exploiting the COVID-19 national shutdown to initiate an orchestrated and likely coordinated move toward tyrannical dictatorial governance via overt contravention of various U.S. Constitution provisions, their state constitutions, and their oath of office to uphold same. These mostly Democrat socialist governors are misusing the auspices of their office to seize political advantage of the ongoing, what some are calling, pandemic scenario that began in March to advance their extreme liberal agendas by suddenly behaving like fascist dictators of many undeveloped undemocratized nations in the world, past and present. This purported pandemic, so classified by the World Health Organization, WHO, WHO, in February this year, caused, they said, by a novel coronavirus that is also referred to as SARS-CoV-2, classified by WHO, as COVID-19. 
19, ostensibly originating in Wuhan, China, and first identified by scientists in November 2019. While the WHO and the Centers for Disease Control, the CDC, in the U.S. have been frantically advancing the global pandemic narrative and advocating the consequential national shutdown scenario based on infections morbidity statistics, the statistics and calculus on which their claims are predicated have been seriously questioned by steadfastly increasing numbers of health care providers medical scientists, and even expert statisticians. Dr. Hansen opines in the video that the actions taken by the political leaders of this nation, as well as many other nations, reflect a presupposition that this outbreak is, or will eventually become, worse than all other pandemics in the nation's history including the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic, the worst on record, or the Black Death Plague, or bubonic plague, that transpired in the mid-14th century worldwide, predominantly in Eurasia, North Africa, and Europe, resulting in an estimated 75 to 200 million deaths worldwide. Yet, invariably and ubiquitously across the states, the statistics demonstrate that a very high percentage of people who contract the virus survive it. To support that assessment, an up-to-the-minute statistical dashboard provided by Johns Hopkins Center for Systems Science and Engineering just moments before the publication of the article I'm reading indicates that out of 2,114,026 and quote-unquote confirmed cases of infection, in the U.S., 116,127 resulted in death. That calculates to a morbidity or death rate of roughly 5.5%, which is nowhere near the morbidity rates predicted by the CDC and WHO back in January and February when the pandemic was first announced. In the interim, a mass of information by numerous credible medical scientists and providers has emerged in the public discussion, casting the agencies et al. predictions, methodologies, conclusions, and motivations that have formed the primary premises for the nascent national and global shutdown into serious disrepute. One major verified factor in all the controversy regarding several skewed death numbers is the coding system used by medical personnel and care facilities to classify infections to deaths 
and administrators pressuring, or in some cases, instructing physicians to classify the cause of death as COVID-19 for patients who tested positive for COVID-19, though the actual cause was more likely other underlying pre-existing health issues because medical facilities receive $5,000 for non-COVID-19 deaths, $13,000 for COVID-19 related deaths, and a whopping $39,000 for COVID-19 deaths for patients who were placed on respirators and died in compensation from Medicare. A previous article published on Spirit Life magazine capsulized our view of the current scenario. Quote, in time, in the aftermath of this sad chapter in our nation's history, it will eventually be determined to have been an overreaction of an exponential magnitude. Again, as cited above, among the leading causes of death annually in the United States are heart disease, 647,457, cancer, 599,108, accidents, 169,936, chronic lower respiratory diseases, 160,201, stroke, 146,383, Alzheimer's disease, 121,404, diabetes, 83,564, influenza and pneumonia, 55,672, and suicide, 47,173. But have we ever shut down the nation due to any of these morbidity causes? Never. Why? Because to shut down the nation it's economic engines that produce the monetary funding required to financially support the most prosperous nation in the history of man in particular, would be utter insanity and totally irrational. That's why. The inescapable fact is people die. Since inconsequential to the fall of man in the Garden of Eden 6,000 years ago, that has been the stark fact. No one, no nation, has ever or can ever stop people from dying. Not in this age. Whether they die of coronavirus or another of the many causes of death, natural and unnatural, people will continue to die. But you can't shut down an entire nation in an attempt to stop people from dying. That 
is completely irrational. And when this nation finally comes to its collective senses and reopens the entire nation, people will continue to die. And it will be clear that the national shutdown did nothing to effect a cessation of death of our citizenry, whether from COVID-19 or the other myriad morbidity causes. If you're looking for a human to blame for that, his name is certainly not Donald, but rather Adam. Are you enjoying this podcast? Would you take just a minute to think about all the precious resources it takes to produce and make available a resource such as this? Time, talent, thinking, planning, preparing, studying, writing, editing, organizing, recording, audio editing, a multiplicity of post-production and publishing tasks, and on and on it goes. The big professional news and media companies employ 10 to 20 people to produce a presentation such as this podcast at a cost of hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you enjoy the program, would you be so kind as to take a minute and pray to ask God if he would have you lend a helping hand our way in the form of financial support? In about 30 seconds, you can donate at paypal.me forward slash SLM Inc. Again, that's paypal.me forward slash SLMINC to make a donation of any amount. Your gifts would be so greatly appreciated and used for the glory of God in the production of this program. Thank you. And may the Lord bless you abundantly for your generosity and graciousness. The case for Democratic governors exceeding their authority. Host Hansen cited from news articles numerous additional incidents of state governors exceeding the legal authority of their office. For example, on May 14, 2020, Jay Inslee, Democratic governor of the state of Washington, where both video panelists reside, announced that as the state begins to relax restrictions and open up its economy, health officials will focus on, quote, contact tracing, end quote, and isolation of infected individuals that will be identified by a phalanx of 1,371 newly employed and trained, quote, contact tracers, end quote, who would begin work the next day, along with the existing 390 members of the Department of Licensing, 630 state and local health professionals, and, quote, unquote, aided by 351 armed members of the National Guard, whose role, reasonable thought, would assume is enforcement and security for these state bureaucrats, reminiscent to many of the Nazi SS officers who were sent through the streets of Germany to mark 
Jewish citizens with the Star of David during Hitler's reign of terror leading up to World War II, prior to being summarily executed in mass gas chambers by firing squads or hanged. Pursuant to implementation of that new program, Inslee instituted a dictum that people who refused to cooperate with the state-employed, quote, contact tracers, in quote, he was sending out or refused coronavirus testing would not be allowed to leave their homes for any reason, including to go to grocery stores to buy food or to pharmacies to obtain prescribed medications, even life-dependent medications, thereby essentially initiating a statewide lockdown tantamount to martial law, only distinguished from martial law by claiming it is partial martial law, in that it was discriminate and not equal, which meant it was illegal. In response to questions from reporters, Inslee described his initiative as being robust, vigorous, and comprehensive, that it needs to be all three to succeed. Ostensibly, success to Inslee is a 100% coronavirus testing rate of Washingtonians who survive government-imposed starvation, medical deprivation, and total economic cessation and seizure. Indeed, Inslee stated that those who refused to comply with the new guidelines would face sanctions either in civil or criminal courts. Inslee, it must be pointed out, is not alone in this hyper-authoritarian power grab. Other state governors have summarily instituted similar autocratic measures that violate the basic constitutional rights and freedoms of the citizenry they swore to serve by faithfully executing the laws of their state. Sheriffs announce they will refuse enforcement of unconstitutional governor's orders. Dr. Hansen cited several other news articles quoting sheriffs in four states who say they will refuse to enforce the unlawful stay-at-home orders that violate citizens' First Amendment rights and impairs the ability of the residents of their jurisdictions to work and earn a living to support themselves and their families which is an infringement of their fundamental constitutional rights. Jesus prophesied, An hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshiper. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Proclaiming the real truth of the Word of God to the world, the Real Truth Radio Network at realtruthradio.com.
governor's violations of Constitution and the 1807 Insurrection Act. Attorney Stephen Pigeon presented in the video an overview of some of the relative constitutional provisions and freedoms that have been violated by Governor Inslee, as well as the other Democrat governors who are pursuing similar paths of dictatorial suppression and repression. Beginning with the first clause of Article 4, Section 4, which states, quote, The United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government, end quote. He explained that a Republican form of government is a government that is governed by a constitution with a tripartite dispersion of power between the executive, legislative, and judicial branches, such as the nation's federal government. He further explained that the state of Washington was admitted into the Union in 1871, predicated on a constitution that coupled with the 1889 revision and the 92 amendments guarantees these very rights and mandating a Republican form of government. When the governor exceeds the authority provided in the Constitution with unauthorized dictums and fiats, he deprives the state citizenry of that Republican form of government guaranteed by the Constitution. That being the case, President Trump, therefore, has the authority under the 1807 Insurrection Act to send federal military troops to Olympia to arrest and sequester the governor and his leadership until such time as the constitutional state of Washington, namely the Republican form of government, is restored. The people of the state would then have a constitutional right to recall and replace the governor according to the provisions for same. Though this may seem far-fetched, there is historical precedent for it. In fact, the act has been invoked by multiple presidents numerous times, beginning with Thomas Jefferson in 1808, shortly after he signed the act into law. Subsequently, Presidents Jackson, Grant, Hayes, Cleveland, Wilson, F.D. Roosevelt, Eisenhower, Kennedy, Johnson, and H.W. Bush invoked the law to quell incidents of civil disorder, unrest, and rioting. Pigeon recalled that during the Civil War, a number of southern states initially seceded, of course, forming the Confederacy, and subsequently the state of Maryland, whose capital city at the time was Baltimore, situated immediately to the east of Washington, D.C., was considering seceding and joining that confederation. The governor of Maryland wrote a letter to President Lincoln telling him the state was preparing to secede and that they had 9,000 militia stationed in the city of Baltimore prepared to defend the cessation decision. Lincoln wrote back to the governor and said, 9,000 militia? 
Do you have enough room in Baltimore to bury 9,000 men? Then he promptly dispatched federal troops to Baltimore and arrested the governor and the mayor, placing them under arrest at Fort McHenry, the place where the American flag was sustained in the Battle of 1812, and then stationed 20,000 federal troops at Fort McHenry, completely squelching the proposed Maryland insurrection. Pigeon called for President Trump to do the exact same thing in the states of Washington, Oregon, and California, because the governors of all three of those states are acting treasonously and seditiously against the United States by intentionally, with malice and forethought, destroying the economies of their states predicated on a very small bushfire that they claim has burned the whole house down, metaphorically speaking. All of the underlying premises upon which Governor Inslee declared this state of emergency, said Pigeon, such as the hypothesis that our hospitals would be overwhelmed by the COVID-19 pandemic, when our hospitals are not only not overwhelmed, they are verging on going out of business because they are servicing no patient. As a result of Inslee banning all elective procedures in hospitals, including heart surgery, cancer surgery, organ and joint replacement surgery, and major life-saving procedures such as kidney dialysis and every other kind of medical procedure, all of which cannot be serviced in hospitals because the hospitals have been reserved for COVID-19 patients, of which there have been few compared to the myriads predicted to flood Washington State hospitals and other medical facilities that were commandeered to treat COVID-19 casualties that never came. Added to that is the fact that the Army Corps of Engineers, who set up temporary tent hospitals in Washington state, upon being sent by the president to help with treatment of the overflow of COVID-19 infected patients from overwhelmed Washington hospitals, eventually had to pack up and leave, having not treated a single patient due to the fact that there never was any overflow because the hospitals were actually underwhelmed regarding coronavirus patients and had very few patients of any sort to service. Nonetheless, Governor Inslee continues to maintain the ban on medical services and the stay-home order despite the fact that the so-called quote-unquote curve has been flattened out to nothing in the state of Washington, Pigeon indicated, referring to the governor's actions as a flexing of quote communistic authority over the state of Washington in complete violation of the Constitution putting Washington citizens under house arrest with no probable cause, no reasonable suspicion, no trial, no right to self-defense, no right to cross-examination, no right to an administrative hearing, and no right to due process, while he particularly distinguishes between people he finds quote-unquote 
useful, like his campaign donors, and people he finds, quote-unquote, useless, that he calls, quote, non-essential, end quote. Though every Washington business and every Washington person is essential to someone, just not to this authoritarian tyrant who just happens to occupy the office of governor for the time being. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Real Truth. I'm Stephen Lambert. Please subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends, and visit realtruthradio.com to join our mailing list. Be sure to tune in to the next edition of The Real Truth. Until then, this is Stephen Lambert reminding you that with God, all things are possible and all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to His purpose.